good people and fellow students, welcome to another episode of All That Yaz. Today we have our first musical guest of the season for our first Yaz sessions of the season. And when I tell you nothing could have prepared me for the range of activities I uncovered in my research process of this person, listen. This artist is a global citizen who has lived in at least three of our six habitable continents. This man had started his own music block way back in 2010 when he was still a young adolescent. And speaking of adolescence, if you search the right thing in the right place, you can find him and some of his classmates reenacting a telenovela in full-blown Spanish. And this reenactment was shot in multiple angles, I might add, multiple angles in multiple locations. As a young adult, he studied computer science at the University of Miami, where as a musician he also managed to open up for the likes of ASAP Ferg and when we look at him today his approach to music is as all rotten as they come. He's a singer, rapper, writer, producer, engineer and the CEO of his own record label that houses multiple artists including one of my current new favorites Monal. I'm talking about Redacted Nations. Jordan how are you doing sir? <laughs> Damn, you went deep on the research, man. <laughs> you listed things I'd even forgotten about myself. <laughs> what what good, had brother, you forgotten? You <laughs> I'm good, thanks to you. What exactly had you forgotten? Did you forgot you had a like, blog? You, I was thinking, yeah, yes, that I did. I forgot about the telenovela. La Herencia, yes. Oh my goodness. The, the Inheritance. Oh my goodness. Yep, The Inheritance. Damn, man, you just threw me back. You threw me for a loop. Uh, I'm good though, <laughs> It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. I was not prepared because I w my head was kind of prepared for like a music blog, like it's in the realm of like possibility. And then you were there talking about Bow Wow and stuff. But then when I saw <laughs> the telenovela- Back in the mixtape days, man. <laughs> the telenovela when I saw like full blown, like it was just full-blown Spanish. It's like, oh, so when these niggas are rapping in Spanish, like, it's real. Like, it's not... They they, they, they went on to Google Translate yeah. and said, let's <laughs> let's switch words. No, I was not prepared. Most people... Like, a lot of people know that I speak French fluently. Most people don't actually know that I speak Spanish. You've uncovered one of my unknown talents. How does this all begin? Because you are polyglot from both South African languages to clearly international languages. This global citizen angle needs to be kind of framed so that we can move on. Okay, so if I give it to you in a nutshell, I think that I was actually generationally prepared for this. My great-grandfather used to be a court interpreter. He used to speak high Dutch, translating from Swana to, to Dutch. My parents growing up spoke multiple languages. And so when we were coming up, speaking multiple languages at home was very normal for us. You know, you can never really ask me what language we speak at home because at any given second, you could hear anything from Swana to Zulu to French to Spanish. You name it. But obviously what happened was when we moved to Switzerland, you know, when I was about nine years old, we went to an international school. And so obviously, you know, we were in a French speaking part of Switzerland. So you have to learn French. And then, you know, you had a choice for your third language. When we got to high school, we had a choice. It was between uh, Spanish and Chinese. Uh, in the end, I chose Spanish. But yeah, and then I was also fortunate to get the opportunity to live in Miami, which, you know, obviously opens the doors to, to speaking more Spanish and becoming more fluent. So yeah, I had a blast with that, you know, and I've, I've always enjoyed languages. It's something that has always come natural to me but I've always enjoyed studying. So with all the things that we've also mentioned then, how do you also see yourself holistically? Insatiably curious. I love learning, 
you know, most of my time, the rare occasions I have free time, I'll spend it on YouTube just absorbing information. You know, that's kind of how I got into a lot of the things I got into. When we talk about music, you know, obviously I came up in a musical family, but uh, music production, you know, I was just kind of curious about that world. I was about 11, 12, and that's when I started producing, you know, similarly with visual media, film, I've always been, I've, I kind of took up that interest out of curiosity. You know, these acoustic panels behind me, I built them out of curiosity. I'm looking at a speaker that I built out of curiosity. That's what links a lot of things I do. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. And with all of this, you, you've already just asked like what's, what got you into music, but I've also, in terms of looking at the names of the people within Redacted Nation, I realized that Masilo the Healer is also, is he your sibling? Yeah, so Masilo the Healer is indeed my younger brother. When I was getting into music, he wasn't really into music. I mean, he only had started really listening to music on his own in his early teens, but he was always deep into writing and poetry specifically. So, you know, in his mid-teens, um, he was really developing his poetry, you know, winning competitions and doing whatever. And then, you know, one day he he decided to write a poem to a beat, actually a song by Tom Mish, a song called Hark. And he wrote this song that became, I believe we called it, uh, Oh, it's escaping me now. But you, if you dig deep enough on SoundCloud, you'll find it. But yeah, we started working together from that. You know, I recorded him and then um, we did a we did an EP together. And so it naturally, it naturally fell together that, you know, I'd work with my sibling. And so when it came time, when it came time to start Redacted, you know, that was a natural progression of what we were already doing. So for those of you who are listening to this for the first time, we're about to get into the Yeah Sessions of it all. This is the third Yeah Sessions where it is a breakdown of our favorite songs of a record. And the reason why Jordan is here is because we're going to be talking about security clearance. And the way this works is that it's four songs, two of his favorites, two of our favorites. So it usually goes my favorite, his favorite. We then have a conversation about it. Second favorite, second favorite. To better get a holistic understanding of what it is that this project is about. So before we get into the actual favorites, what was the impetus of security clearance and what exactly do we need clearance for? <laughs> the first thing about security clearance is we wanted it to be an announcement, a unignorable message that we're here, we're loud, we're proud, we're not going anywhere. We make undeniable records. You may love it, you may hate it, but you can't ignore it. Yeah. And so, you know, when it comes to security clearance, it comes back to the name redacted, of course. In order to read things that are redacted, you need security clearance. So we granted everyone who listened security clearance to access our inner thoughts and our inner matrix. All right. So now that we're actually within the yes sessions, would you like to intro first or should I intro first in terms of what my favorite song is? You know what? I I'll, I'll say you go first, you know. I'm always keen to hear what people pick from from the album because everyone, everyone I've spoken to has picked something different. I suppose that's what happens when you put 16 songs on an album. Actually, of all the yes sessions thus far, this one was the one that hurt the most because it was 16 songs. <laughs> like previously, I'm picking from EPs or bodies of work, which are like eight, nine songs. It was hard, man. <laughs> I had the same challenge as you right now, right? Picking two favorites. But imagine what our challenge was when we were actually track listing the album. Because there were probably 22 records that could have made the album. It's like choosing between your kids, bro. <laughs> like, it was tough. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. And 
we have chosen our kids, unfortunately. We have chosen our favorites, and now it's time to release them onto the world. So for my first pick, this is a hip-hop hybrid that feels relaxed and nostalgic. Of all the songs on Security Clearance, it's a track that takes me back to the era of hip-hop groups in the 2000s and the 90s, where they were talking about Naughty by Nature or Dilated People. Nice. It's the type of song that would seamlessly fit in a summer bry slash barbecue playlist as it finds redacted nation, braggadocious but not brash. They're feeling themselves as they relish where they are in their journey of ascension. It's a dreamy mid-tempo vibe by the name of Return of the Vindicators. Return of the Vindicators Never let them see where I'm going No indicators Got people paying for my time No free favors Redacted nations Sampling the world Tasting the flavors And baby don't we savor I'm mesmerized by the simple things But I love for the finer things As such I find no time For the minor things I leave the system boneless That's tender like some wings But won't die silent I'm the bird that sings That's why I'm stacking up My paper sky high these days And if you ain't down Get the fuck out my way Redacted got the sound To make them hips gyrate And if the game on his neck, that's a twist of fate. That's why I'm stacking up my paper sky high these days. And don't pay the haters no mind these days. No, I am not rushing, take my time these days. Cause the circles gotta stay real tight these days. Uh, Say, so what you know what? about a young nigga this clean? Dripping drop, cause I'm raining supreme. Uh, uh, and what you know about a young nigga this mean? I'm surfing while I'm chasing my dreams. Surfing the tidal wave. Surfing the tidal wave. Riding the tidal wave. I'm no underdog, I just move in different eyes Killing my kindness, killing my calmness I tighten up my laces cause I know I'm starting line up And mind boggle, they bobbing like bobbleheads Get off your high horse, your ego gon' take offense I made it to honor roll, you climbing the ladder fall Timing was honorable, you thought you had it in the bag so I had you call my haters moving quickly with the snatch Me back, me back, me back, me back so what was the inspiration behind Return of the Vindicators and what exactly are you vindicating? <laughs> All the Rick and Morty fans in the audience will instantly have picked up on the theme of the Vindicators. The Vindicators, they're a parody of the Avengers. Obviously, you know, we're, we're huge Rick and Morty fans. And actually, when I made the beat, I'd actually titled the beat that. When it came time to make the song, I don't know, it just kind of felt like a natural progression into the song. And so if you listen to the material of the song and a lot of the energy of the tape, it's very much us staking our claim. In a sense, what we're coming to vindicate is ourselves and the records, you know. I love the energy, I love the feel, I loved making this jam. Also, one of my favorite of my verses on the tape. One of the things that I love a lot about the song, I love when verses and chorus overlaps. It's something which I feel like hasn't happened in such a long time. Time. <laughs> and specifically with like Monel's one where we back, we back, we back, we back. Like literally, I remember the first time it played, I was like, okay, 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 cool. <laughs> we got one here. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I actually had to fight for that on the record. Even when we were cutting the record, they were like, no, no, I thought you said the chorus starts here, and the, but you're still <laughs> rapping. I was like, no, like, because <laughs> we hadn't put in the chorus yet when I was doing my verse. I was like, no, 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 trust me, trust me. <laughs> and then Monel, similar thing. I was like, trust me on this one. <laughs> That's even why I was talking about like the 90s because that was when um, even with the hip-hop verses sometimes even if you hadn't finished the verse you were going to finish that verse even if the chorus has started and you feel it and it still got that hey ho Hey. Exactly, exactly. So a lot of the reasons why it resonates with me is because of that that feeling and those like little touches of things which 
may not always be like quote-unquote perfect when it comes to making music but it gives it a different character so that was why return of the vindicators is was my favorite and currently is still my favorite that's your number one pick that's my number one pick if i'm trying to have a pick me up if i'm just trying to glide that's the one that i had to rest in so what was your number one pick okay i'm not picking these in order there's no way i can do these in order it's just i think the first song i wanted to highlight was um heavy is the head it's a bit selfish. I wanted to highlight this a bit selfishly because I feel like this is one of my favorite instrumentals that I've ever produced. You know, Heavy is the Head comes with these orchestral strings. You know, I played out all these individual parts and then it drops to this hard hitting beat. It's one of those things where you turn it up and when you have a sub going, it hits you in a different place. And I love everything about it. It's also the first record, the first record that I've done where I actually sang in vernacular. for heavy as the head is like you're preparing for you do kind of state that but from the synths the background trance that bring it in the orchestral vibe and everything in the it's the most climactic i've heard your voice sounds like fully within your appetite range in a place that i can't attempt singing with a full tone <laughs> i'll tell you this it took me a lot of warm-ups to be able to really fully belt that one it's that hip-hop gospel from the messaging all the way to your vocal intensity. In the concert setting, this is a song you, you tackle either immediately at the beginning or returning from intermission when your voice is warm <laughs> and can handle the potential strain because by the time you get to the third verse, there's places where you're like, you can feel the strain in your voice in the runs and you're like, this man pumped himself up in the recording studio. You see, the, well, this is why I wanted to highlight the song because every single part of it was motivated in some sense, you know? When you listen to that vocal, 
I basically sang it so many times to try and really emphasize that rawness. And so what you actually hear on the record is probably the last take I actually did. Because at that point, my voice was starting to, you know, roughen up and get a little hoarse. Yeah. I didn't really convey the, the emotion. And I wasn't really ready for the way it came out sounding. I wasn't. But I'm so glad it came out the way it did. Similarly with Masilo's verse, you know, when you listen to this beat, one of the things about this beat is it's in 4-4 four, four time, right? But you try and count it out. You can actually count it in 3-4 time. So it's really interesting to try and actually rap on because it's not conventional and it, it's difficult to maneuver. So Masilo came from left field with an approach that I never, like I'd explored so many flows for that, I didn't see it coming. Like the ticket on top of one's crazy, crazy. Say I love this record, man. I absolutely love this record. That was heavy as the head. And now on to my second pick. You know, a funny thing about doing these all that yeah sessions is that I start to understand trends about myself. And it seems like one of my trends is I just love braggadocious songs. So my second... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was a deeper person than this, but, you know... <laughs> Listen, we, we all like to think so, but then you look at the streaming numbers of hip-hop and, you know, half of hip-hop is braggadocious songs and you realize we all love a good braggadocious song every once in a while. So my second pick is another braggadocious jam, but one that sits its grandeur towards romance. It's a love song that paints a jet-setting fantasy, showing all the places Redacted could go to relish and enjoy the love they're currently experiencing. The production is lush, warm, and breeds a sensual sense of intimacy. The type of intimacy where the only thing that lies between these lovers is some Egyptian silk. You hear what I'm saying? Suave, 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 suavecito. Dame un besito while I sip, sip on this mojito. We can hit the beach, could be lovely. After brunch, of course, if you endorse my plan, then baby, let's get lost. Living by any means, disregarding the cost. Late Nika, while I discover her in Africa. People asking where we at, we playing hide and seek, bruh. Places where they don't say nice to meet ya. I'm comforted by that. Walaikum salam in response as we blend and move with the locals. Inspiring the vocal while I make it vocal well known that you the finest human being that i have ever known electromagnetic the way our current causes attraction and the way my heart flutters is a chemical reaction and i do it all for you that's magic that lies the magic that lies the magic
What an intro, my guy. Ah, damn. I should have put you. I should have put you right at the beginning of the music video just to introduce the whole thing. Oh, there's a music video. <laughs> yeah, if you love the record, wait till you see the visuals. I'll tell you that. So, what was the inspiration behind this one? When I started the beat, I was channeling producers like Just Blaze, Kanye, and Pharrell, who always had these really interesting ways of dealing with live instrumentation in a hip hop context. And so, when we made the beat, it already felt luxurious. Now, interestingly enough, it didn't have strings at that point. So, when we we're cutting the record. Monel came with her verse first. She came with that line about There's nothing between us but Egyptian silk. <laughs> Tell me how. Yo, when we heard that, <laughs> we were like, yo, that is it. That is the title. That is the title. And so when we were cutting this record, actually, funny enough, I went to the bathroom. As I'm walking there, I had this idea for the strings. So if you hear like at the turnarounds, you hear these strings going like, like they do this whole run up. And I literally came sprinting from the bathroom, like hands wet, running towards the computer, like, oh my God, I have this idea. And yeah, Masilo and, and Monel were looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with him? It is one of my favorites. I'm really glad you chose it because I felt so much pain not choosing it in my top two. Look, there's so much to work with because even just the way uh, Masilo comes in with the suave, suavecito. Yeah. I was like, okay, so we're starting here. And then, then you come in with your, I think it's the actual first song where you're properly singing. So if you don't have a reference of you prior, you think that you're a rapper and then and then a song for you yeah and i'm like huh by the time the the line of egyptian silk hit i'm sold but also what i really um one of the other low-key things that i that i like is you have the egyptian silk right. talking about the great lakes of tanganyika and this place i was like okay cool the imagery that's coming into my mind at least is more continental no you you understand you know it's very much afro luxury i think that's something that i've been so fascinated by coming back home and just experiencing being in the middle of the renaissance if you will i feel like we really are living through an african renaissance right now when you think about african fashion the crazy things that are happening in visual art and i don't know there's this there's just been this proliferation and exploration of what it means to be a modern african the world only really started taking it seriously around black panther but we as Africans, and this is what I really love about it, is we as Africans took it seriously first. That's for me something that's been beautiful to watch and be a part of. You are very right. The, the Renaissance did start like in the last decade or so, and it's been really great. And that's really also one of the reasons why Egyptian silk really knocks for me. Everything about it, it's well-made, luxurious, it's braggadocious. So that was why Egyptian silk is my second. What is your final pick for the Yeah Sessions? So when you asked me what song I wanted to highlight, this was the first one that came to mind. The reason being is just the combination of everything, you know, with the way it came together just really spoke volumes to me. So this is Permission to Retaliate. Permission to Retaliate is one of those songs that, that's designed to make you think. When we made the beat, you know, it was this very simple but lush beat that really just could ride on for hours. And you can just throw it on in the car on a long drive over the sunset and just get in this trance in this zone. So yeah, Permission to Retaliate is one of my favorite records that I've ever done, which is crazy because it's not at all a technical record, but uh, I, think, I think everyone will enjoy this one as much as I do. I do it cause I like this shit You do it for the likes and the clicks I do it cause I like this shit 
This is me reaching. First of all, it's the longest song on the project. It's like six and a half minutes long. It is, and that is entirely my fault. Yes, and you take <laughs> up like a solid two of those minutes. It feels like the most, your most vulnerable. I wrote here one of your more vulnerable, but it feels like the most vulnerable in an introspective verse that I've heard from you. resonate with and I think it reads I want to believe the people like me will only see better days but I'd be so jaded God will I see the day that line like really resonates because there's a certain level of passion and optimism you have to have in being a creative and entrepreneur but that same drive can feel quite delusional after a while after multiple rounds of <laughs> What doesn't feel like progress? What I also really like about it is that you as a producer have a really great sense of stage setting and it's something which I really really appreciate so you can have this like brilliant beat that just starts but here you started with the rain even though the stuff is already lush the mere fact that you hear rain a lot of the time when something's raining you get into an introspective mood so even the touches of rain before the production starts and the production kicks into gear makes you feel like something introspective is going to come through but i just i know you can't answer this question but i just have a question for manal <laughs> about the song because i need to know who she's shooting at <laughs> I don't 
listen, listen to any Monel record. If you if you listen to any Monel record and you ask yourself that question, it gets deep real quick, bro. Sometimes you just need to you just need to enjoy the record and sit there and introspect. You know, Monel records are really meant for you to think about yourself, not about her stories. Think no, about but here's my thing. I don't know how I'd react if someone plainly asked me, like, "Am I proud of anything I've done in the manner in which she does it?" Because it's no, because it, it sounds like a shot, and I'm just like. I don't know who she's asking, but... <laughs> but this is exactly what I mean about a Monel record, you know? If you listen to any song on In Loathing Memory, if she asks a question that's not directed at herself, <laughs> right, your only job is to really listen and ask yourself that question. Because she might be talking to you. <laughs> like, I will tell you straight up, there are songs, there are whole songs that had nothing to do with me. Where I'm sitting there thinking, man, she wrote this song about me. Damn. She was talking no, about me. No, <laughs> because I was asking, like, why is your foot on my neck? We were having a good time. <laughs> we were having a great time. We were friends. I know it was Permission Retaliate. I know that's the name of the song. But I didn't think that I was the adversary in this, you know? Yeah, no, things, things get personal with Monal versus the Bashungas don't tell. Mo herself is the first one to recognize that, you know, there's sometimes when you, you don't play Monal records, you know. If you are at a party and the sun's up and everyone's in a kushu kushu mood, you're not trying to put all your guests in your in their fields. You know, once the sun starts setting and everyone's relaxing and you have a little corner where you have introspective people, that's where you can put on the Monel and have everyone in their fields thinking about their lives and texting their exes. Like, I only ever grasped, you know, the coming back to permission to retaliate. I only really grasped her verse after the record was out. I don't think I've ever worked with an artist who's so intentional with words. She makes it seem so effortless. So, um, I know you've already spoken about, and I was actually going to say this in my notes, that uh, security clearance really did feel like... It's more of a declaration record in terms of saying, this is who we are and this is what we can do. But if you could direct what it is that people get from security clearance besides the the declaration element, what would that be? I think you hear it in the records. You can't put your finger on it. You don't necessarily have a technical word for it, but you feel it when you hear the record. And how I describe it is, for me at least, it comes from the care and the attention and the intention of everything. There's something that I think is beautifully artistic about the record, which a lot of hip-hop records struggle to do. When we were in the throes of making Security Clearance, one of the things that was on my rotation was Tyler the Creator's, uh, Tyler the Creator's recent Call Me When uh, You Get project, Lost. Call Me If You Get Lost. Yeah. And for me, Tyler inspires me in so many ways. But one of the ways that I really take inspiration from Tyler is that he makes beautiful art in a way that I can't really describe. You know, I can't put my finger on it. I can't necessarily single out a technical thing he does that makes me feel the way I do. But it's really something that can pull you in all sorts of different directions. And when you look at it at the end of the day, this body of work is something that I would call artistic. That was, you know, one of the one of the goals I had personally with security clearance. And I personally feel like we achieved uh, there's always room for improvement, but yeah, that's that's how I would summarize it, is an artistic rap record. It's very interesting that you kind of describe it that way or describe that intention, purely because like in our first episode, we were speaking with Fred Kayembe, who is an amazing writer, used to be um, one of the editors or the editor for Hype Magazine. There's a quote I read directly from him that he had written about music in terms of the three levels that it 
that it relates. The first is aspirational. The second is, um, sorry, the first is relatability. The second is aspirational. And the third is spiritual. I'm not, because I already said that quote in full um, and the episode is already out, I'm not going to re- <laughs> rehash that. But I think you should go and listen to that actual quote and it it very much ties into what it is that you're saying. So I feel like I'm stringing along uh <laughs> I'm stringing along a theme here. Yeah, I think this season this season's gonna have a whole theme, you know. The listeners are in for a treat. I will definitely check that out because, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm not living in the future. Yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but by the time this is out. I see, I see. And then there was something which I'd mentioned in passing in terms of you opening for ASAP Ferg. What a blessing that was. Being in Miami whilst being a student. Tell us about the story that then leads into you becoming, you know, an opener for ASAP Ferg. So I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to study in Miami. And so when I was there, you know, obviously musicians, we all gravitate towards each other. So I linked up with some incredible, incredible artists by the name of Justin Pack, Lolo, Icon, or 301 Icon as he goes now, as well as a bunch of other insane creatives. And we formed a group called Fire Squad. You know, we, we would perform together, we'd make music together. And as we started building, you know, a bit of a following and a bit of buzz in the community, the University of Miami was hosting its homecoming concert. Now, the homecoming concert is something where they bring a couple of big artists. It's a huge deal. And they always have a student opener. And generally, they have DJs. And so we convinced the organizing committee to put up a poll. We put our hat in the ring to say, listen, let Fire Squad perform at the homecoming concert. Let us, you know, let us open the show. And so we literally, and this is one thing about, you know, the black community at the University of Miami. Shout out to the UBS gang. You know, they pulled through, they pulled together. And in the end, it was a landslide and got the opportunity to open for Cash Cash and ASAP Ferg, which was just insane. I mean, I still look at the pictures. People who were in the crowd were sending me these videos afterwards, and it's just, oh man, such an incredible memory. And when was that? Something in me wants to say 2016, might have been 17. So you're opening for ASAP Ferg in 2016. At what point do we then realize? Because you are still studying computer science, at what point does then Redacted Nation become a thought and/or thing? Ever since I was a kid, I'd always wanted to have my own label. And I think Fire Squad was very much the beginnings of, you know, this organizing and understanding the industry and working with people. When I came back to South Africa, at the time, I think I wasn't far off the release of Soul in a Vase, which was the first project I released. And I went to Vitz. This idea was already brewing in my mind about a distributor, a label services company with a record label that really focused on freeing independent artists of this notion that they need a major label deal and really giving people resources to do the things that they want to do with their insane talents, you know? And it had been formulating, formulating, formulating. Eventually, the ideas were bursting from me so much that I just had to take the plunge and register the company and, you know, start putting together the team. So Redacted officially starts in 2019. But man, the seeds the seeds had been there for a long time. And... In terms of actual releases, is Security Clearance the first collective release of Redacted Nation? Yeah, you know, Redacted Nation, collaborative project, it's something that we want to continue doing. Uh, We want to feature people from across the industry, you know, it's not just in-house artists, you know, very much like the Dreamville, Revenge of the Dreamers sort of feeling where you really want to do something for the culture. So, you know, we want to feature the people we fuck with and just kind of grow together and really foster the, the sense of community. 
And this is something I'm very big on, community building. And I've been fortunate with a lot of my peers in the industry lately, especially since COVID hit. One of the blessings in disguise was we formed a lot tighter community. And I love that. Before you actually go, there's, there's, there's things that I still need to understand. Because when you go to your Twitter, you basically say that you rep Miami, Geneva, and Joburg. Is there more of an international plan in terms of how you're planning on integrating all of these different relationships that you've been building? Because... I will go back to uh, to the beginning of this interview. You had a 10-minute telenovela reenactment fully in Spanish. Yeah, we wrote that thing, you know? <laughs> there are a lot of things which within your persona and even the messaging that you bring yourself about and when you speak about your parents in the UN, that there's a global appeal or global citizen-esque-ness to how it is that you approach things. So from a music perspective or even just from a holistic perspective, how does that all kind of fit in to your vision now that you have built this first enclave of Redacted Nation? What are the sprawlings that they move out of that from a wider perspective it's a fantastic question because for me my international upbringing has touched every part of my life and continues to every single day every single record i make every business decision that we take you know we take with with more of a global context i am very fortunate that you know i have a lot of relationships abroad we, we we feed off each other some of my closest friends from miami for example are in la working on huge records similarly new york london hong kong geneva and across the continent i, I get to keep a bit of a pulse you know keep a finger on on what's going on across the world and what the developments are both inside the music industry and outside of it it also means that when we look at our records and our company we have a very global vision our mission is not complete until we empower artistic vision across the globe and so when it comes to redacted you know our distribution business we're going to take it global it's not even that we want to it's we're actually in the process of taking it global our label services you know we want to offer that to artists across the globe but similarly you know when it comes to the records i'll take monel as an example one of the biggest territories for monel's music in terms of streams outside of south africa is China, which to me was was really a very, very interesting turn of events. I didn't quite understand, you know, and once you get China, you start getting across the region. Basically from China to Kazakhstan, we just had this surprising growth. Insights like that start to teach you a lot about how to remain true to the art that you make, but take it global in that there are niche markets or markets that are sort of underserved and underfocused on that really do vibe with South African music and are loving our output right now. Brazil is another one of those those markets, you know, where um, uh, South African artists, you know, can do quite well. Similarly, the UK with piano is, you know, has really has really welcomed us in, and you know, piano artists are doing shows there. All sorts. These are the kinds of things that we strive towards, and um, I won't stop until all of my artists are global superstars. Aish, okay. <laughs> but even when you speak about Brazil, it does make sense because even their approach to a lot of music, when you remove the language barrier, is very, very, very. African. It's steeped in the same type of jazz esqueness that South African jazz is. Steeped. Indeed. But also the great thing about music is the language barrier. It does exist, but it doesn't because at a point in time, Gangnam Style was the biggest song in the world. And if you can tell me, people knew what that song is. I, before learning a, a bit of Spanish, used to love La Tortura by Shakira. And then I learned what the song was about. And I was like, <laughs> I was Which like, you, oh. You know, on, on the topic of Spanish songs, you know what my favorite Spanish song is? What? It's called Tuyo by Rodrigo Amarante. It was actually written by a Brazilian guy, but it's in Spanish. 
and it's the theme for narcos you oh. seen the netflix show narcos yeah but i'm not my actually listening to the song oh my god if you if you ever listen to that song like in full like if you actually listen to, it's so deep like <laughs> like the first line is literally i'm the fire that burns your skin i'm the i'm the i'm the the water that kills your thirst doesn't quench your thirst kills your thirst like everything it's so visual bro it's such a visual <laughs> song it's fantastic <laughs> i will definitely be going <laughs> i'll be going to press play on that uh very soon <laughs> So now that we have the declaration out, your guns are blazing. You already said that Egyptian Silk has a music video. What are the people like meant to be getting excited about both within a security clearance era and with the redacted era? There's so much going on at Redacted. You won't actually get Egyptian Silk's visuals first, actually. Another track on security clearance is getting visuals very 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 soon. So when this episode comes out, I think they'll probably be just coming out. But also a lot a lot is going on. I'll tell you on the low that all of my artists are working obviously on new music. I can also tell you that I am in the throes of my album Channel Surfing that's going to be coming within the second quarter of this year. So, we've gone a very interesting direction with this album and I'm super excited for where it's going and what it's going to look like and sound like in the end. Obviously, Masila the Healer later this year will be coming with a project. Yeah, Monel, man, I can tell you that there's something coming very soon that you in particular Yaz will like. Why me in particular? Now I'm worried. <laughs> oh, trust me. No, no people people who for the people who who are going to listen, like properly listen. There are so many gems and just so much to pick for. But uh yeah, the records just keep getting better and I just I hope to be here as long as possible making records that, you know, you're still going to listen to in 40, 50 years, you know. At the end of the day, that's that's one of my life goals is to make the kinds of records that in this age of ever fleeting records, I still want to have a record that you're going to put on in 40, 50 years for your grandkids. and you'd be like man when i was you know <laughs> when i was your age we used to listen to this what you know about this security clearance what you know about this redacted nation and that's yeah that's that's what it is so stay tuned a lot coming this year a lot a lot so if people want to interact with you on socials first of all where's the best place for people to interact with you and then what socials can they then do that from for sure instagram is the first place as well as twitter i o r d n yordan made that i love talking to people i love interacting with the community and we love sharing you know that's that's one thing we believe in at redacted is you know knowledge is meant to be shared we don't hoard information so come have a chat with us you know so also yeah follow at redacted nation on twitter and ig you know see what we're up to like i said we're part of the community and we love being part of the community so we're always always looking to have a chat about anything about anything about anything bro if you want to chat about the uh, the protests in ottawa right now with the truckers blocking the road you know shit i don't know much about it but we can talk about it <laughs> this is how you know this is a child of the un person but <laughs> <laughs> Joke society. Oh, that's that's actually funny. That's so funny. <laughs> Joke society. Um thank you so much for giving us a lot of the time. This has been very fun breaking down security clearance or at least the favorites on security clearance. No, thank you so much for having me. I think it's may have been the most technical yes sessions has ever gotten. My bad. I'm a nerd. No, that, okay, that's... yeah. This is my thing. People will now know that I'm a geek. Do not apologize. People, people for will that. now know that I'm <laughs> This <laughs> 
All that yes is again a space for performance, craft, and showbiz. You brought your craft on display, and I genuinely think it's a beautiful record. I do think for people Thank who you. have who are within the hip-hop spectrum that even if they may not like all of it, that there's definitely things that anyone within the hip-hop and kind of R&B hip-hop space can find and grab towards it. I definitely know that I have my favorites and I will get justice for Uber Eats one day. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for giving us your time. It was highly appreciated and I wish you no, all the best you, in thank your vision. You. Thank you, Yaz. Thank you for having me. Thank you to the audience for tuning in to all that, Yaz. You know, it's one of the best podcasts in the country. And yeah, I'm really glad we got to dissect this record together. You know, your takes are always so interesting and your choices uh, were really interesting to me. And, you know, I, I, I always take this, this kind of feedback into the new records I make and, you know, thinking about new ways, new directions I can take the records, you know. And so you highlighted things for me that I could do more of in these upcoming records. I hope you're excited for my album. I hope you're excited for new music from Redacted Nation. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. That was the 47th episode of All That Yaz. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so by sending an email to allthatyazpodcast.gmail.com. I repeat, allthatyazpodcast.gmail.com. Stay tuned as we'll bring you more insightful episodes of our podcast. I am Yaz from All That Yaz, and have a lovely rest of your day.